Hi everyone, I'm Jason Scorse and welcome to another episode of Dispatch from the Zombie Apocalypse. I hope everybody is doing great. So this episode is entitled Smith Drops the Hammer. And it took, you know, two and a half years, but finally we have the indictments that we've been waiting for. The indictments related to January 6th, basically the indictments related to overthrowing the government, conspiring to take away people's voting rights, because if you overthrow the will of the people, you're taking away people's voting rights. We didn't get the full kind of sedition and, you know, an incitement to violence, but it's basically the the straightforward conspiracy of trying to overthrow the will of the people, overthrow the republic. It's the big, it's the big stuff. It's the stuff that we've been waiting for since January 6th, when it was clear that Trump was plotting a coup. These indictments are incredibly damning. It's not entirely surprising the information we have, since again, most of this has been public knowledge for a while, but they, there are some details that are incredibly damning, and these are really worth spelling out, right? The former president and his associates, these co-conspirators, plan to use military violence to quell protest if their coup was successful using the Insurrection Act. So the way it was going to go was if they convinced Mike Pence to reject Biden's electors, they were going to come in with the fake electors and then declare Trump the winner. Then they said, well, of course, people are going to protest because we just stole the election in out in the open. And so Jeffrey Clark was advising Trump and the others well, that's what the Insurrection Act is for. And if anyone doesn't think that Trump would have used it, you're on fucking crack and you need to have your head examined. So again, just think about how this, if Mike Pence had gone along with the coup and they had declared Trump the winner and then, you know, in mostly blue cities, but maybe not entirely, you know, people start protesting and being very upset, they were going to throw, send the military in to quash protests and likely kill American citizens, right? So this was the plan. This is tin pot authoritarianism, thuggishness, mafia-esque type tactics, again, with the culmination of using the U.S. military to kill U.S. civilians after the coup was successful. Now, I just want to make a note that, you know, a lot of you know, people who are not acting in good faith and making all kinds of excuses, and I'm going to get to that in much more detail in a moment, are kind of upset that this, you know, this indictment took so long. And again, you know, I wish it had come earlier. I said it should have come by the end of 2022. From the facts that are in the indictment, it's clear that they really had most of this information earlier. It's also clear from a lot of reporting that Garland kind of slow walked this because uh, he wanted to do the lower level stuff and build it up. I wish it had been done earlier. It would have been easier to not be directly in the, you know, the presidential kind of primary season. Ultimately, you know, again, these people arguing against the timing are the bad faith actors. 
You know, everyone's saying, oh, this is unprecedented. You know what's fucking unprecedented? Trying to overthrow the government. That's what's unprecedented. Yes, indicting a former president's unprecedented because of what he fucking did, right? So again, the, the unprecedented is Trump's fucking behavior and the behavior of the people who support him, not of the reaction to it, <laughs> okay? So anyway, you know, I wish again that this case had come earlier, but, you know, I'm fine with the timing. And you know what? The fact that it corresponds with the primary, too fucking bad. Right? Republicans, if you don't want a convicted felon coup plotter as your nominee, then don't fucking vote for Trump. Right? Like, that's up to you. Right? So, again, should have come earlier. Garland, I think, fucked up. This has nothing to do with Smith. He, he you know, he's just, he's been going actually at lightning speed. But Garland should have pressed this. If it had come six months, a year earlier, I think, politically, it would be better. But ultimately, you know, I don't care. I'm just glad it finally came. Now, look, I just also want to make a note. I hate talking about Trump. He's the biggest sack of shit in the country. He's a pitiful loser and always has been. And it sucks that he takes so much oxygen, you know, from our kind of political discourse. But, however, I just want to be clear. I see him as a proxy for the entire right-wing conservative movement. So his evil speaks to much greater evil in American society. So that's why I talk about him, because... What he reveals about almost half the country is interesting. He's not interesting. He's like the least interesting person in the country. I'm look very much looking forward to him being in prison, and I will celebrate when that happens. But him as an individual and what he does and his antics, like I don't give a shit about that. But again, if you think about them as a proxy for the entire right wing in America, which essentially he is, maybe not 100%, but... 80%, 70 90 you know, the overwhelming majority of the right wing in some way or another supports Trump, so he's a proxy for that, right? Now, some of you know that I predicted all of his behavior in September 2020 when I wrote an essay that I posted to LinkedIn and sent to hundreds of friends and colleagues, right? I didn't get this published in a magazine. I'm not, you know, a political scientist. This was a little... Thing I did as almost like kind of a hobby to just inform people where I laid out what was going to happen. I didn't lay out exactly, of course, the details with the fake electors in January 6th, but I said they were going to contest the election and there was going to be a fascist coup because he would never accept defeat. And again, anyone with half a fucking brain who was paying attention could have written what I wrote, but most people didn't because they just couldn't believe that something like that would happen, right? Now, again, I didn't know if they would succeed, but I knew they would try, and try they did. And that's why Trump and others are going to be, you know, are, are being indicted. Now, I just want to be clear here. You know, I, others did catch some of this. I was in the minority of people who I think got the, the, the magnitude of what was going on here. But the comedian Bill Maher, who, again, I think has slipped a lot. I don't watch him anymore. I, I, I really used to love him, but... He just kind of, I don't know, he, he just, he, he elevates too many right-wing whack jobs to big platforms that just don't deserve it. And he does, he isn't often prepared. You know, it's one thing to have a right-wing whack job on your show, but you better be prepared to take them down, not let them just spew lies. So I think Bill Maher has kind of slipped. But the one thing I'll give him credit for is throughout 2020, everyone on politics, he was saying, what are you going to do when Trump doesn't concede? 
What are you going to do when he tries to overturn the election? And again, I give him credit because he saw so clearly that that was the direction things were going. And, you know, again, he was in the minority. He had a big platform, though, and it was good that he got that out there. Now, the reason many people didn't take it seriously is because many people in America live in a mythical fantasy world, right, where they can't see what's right in front of their eyes, right? It's just like we just lie to ourselves about what this country is, right? And also, we have family, friends, neighbors who are right wing, and we just can't think that our neighbors and friends and family are, could be this fucked up. The reality is they are, right? They are, and it sucks. I'm not happy about this. You know, Bill McKibben on, this, on the topic of climate has said the worst four words in the English language are, I told you so, right? And he's been talking about climate, and now we see climate chaos. And he's like, told you so, but that sucks. Same thing from my standpoint. I told you so. I told you where the right wing was going. I told what Trump was going to do. I told you what the Republican Party was going to do. I, I even told you what George Bush was going to do. I've been saying this shit for 20 years. And it sucks being right about such bad stuff. But you know what? It's better to be right and be in the fact-based world than be in a la-la land of just myths and lies, right? And Americans, we lie to ourselves so much that in many ways we become some of the most gullible and ignorant people on earth. Because when you just lie to yourself so much, you let a Trump come to power. And then, as we're going to soon see, he's going to be the nominee again, right? So look, now, after all of Trump's criminality and clear com conduct, criminal conduct on multiple fronts, including the worst offense any president can ever do, he tried to topple the government in a coup. Right? There is no more time for denial. There's just no more time. We need American citizens to be squarely in reality, in the fact-based world. No wish-casting, no hoping, facts. Right? Now, one other point on the indictments. You know, We've had three. Right, We got the Bragg one on the hush money payments. We got the documents case, Jack Smith. Now we got the January 6th. It looks like by the time maybe even this podcast is live, that Georgia, you know, Fonnie Willis will have indicted Trump for his, you know, crimes in Georgia. And, and, and just remember here, again, just for all the, all the, the psychophants and all the excuse makers on the right, we have, and we've had for years, the call where Trump is basically threatening the Secretary of State, another Republican in Georgia, saying, get me the votes. Find me the votes, right? Like this is just two-bit mob stuff. There's no, there's no ambiguity here. Find me the votes. We need the votes, right? And so finally, we're going to have that Georgia indictment, and that will kind of close the loop. That'll probably be all of the Trump indictments in this cycle. And let me be clear here. This is going to add up to approximately 100 felonies, with prison time of up to a thousand years, the former president of the United States, who is the leading candidate to be the nominee for Republicans again, will be facing four different felony indictments with a total of almost a hundred felonies totaling a thousand years in prison. And let's be clear here, too, that everything Trump has done, 
There are many people sitting in jail for long prison sentences for doing a tenth what he did, right? Now, of course, as Trump sees the writing on the wall and is getting scared that he's going to go to jail, he's threatening judges, witnesses, and prosecutors, and I'm pretty sure he's going to soon face some serious consequences for that because these people aren't fucking around, right? His time of a lifetime of criminality is coming to an end. He's finally going to face the fucking music. And now again, everyone must take a side. We have Jack Smith on our side, and he is going to crush Trump. Right? Hollywood could never make up a guy this much of a badass. He literally runs Ironmans and triathletes on his spare time. He's taken down international criminals in The Hague, in the International Criminal Court. Right? He's brilliant, and he's going for the jugular. Right? I'm very much looking forward to the next round of his indictments when he goes after the co-conspirators like Eastman and Clark, these true fucking monsters who are going to spend the rest of their lives in prison once Smith gets through with them. And as Josh, Josh Marshall at TPN has writ, TPM has written, Eastman is fully admitting that they tried to overthrow the government. Like he's just saying it straight out. And what Josh Marshall points out is, you know what? If you try to overthrow the government, you better win. Because if you don't win, the hammer's coming down on you. And the hammer's coming down on Clark and Eastman. The guys who said, yeah, let's just use the Insurrection Act to quash protesters. Let's just murder American citizens when they protest about our coup. Right? So the reality is, for the millionth time, either you're on the side of the rule of law and truth, and therefore you are a Biden supporter, or you are a traitor and seditionist if you support Trump. Period. Full stop. There's no gray area. There's no ambiguity. This is black and white. There must be no confusion on this point. There is no gray area. After the break, however, I'm going to come back and explain why the GOP is going to choose the seditionist path. Okay, so there are still, after all these years, those who think the GOP may quit Trump after this latest damning indictment. They are wrong. Of course, there's going to be a few Mitt Romneys and people who say the charges are serious, but these are the exceptions to the rule. And even most of those people are saying kind of weak-ass shit, like, oh yeah, it's serious, but this looks bad, or, you know... You know, it's, it's unprecedented to go after a former president, blah, 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 right? And look, the question is not, are there individual conservatives, individual Republicans who oppose Trump? Of course there are. I've never, ever doubted that. I've never questioned that. It's a big country, right? We got, what, you know, 75 million people who voted for him. 
in 2020, I'm sure a few of those don't like what he did after he lost, right? Good for them. I applaud them. But what does the conservative Republic, Republican movement as a whole have to say? And how many of them will come out and say they don't support Trump when he is the nominee? Close to none, right? You don't need 100% of the conservative movement, 100% of Republicans, or even 90% to be behind Trump to say the movement is thoroughly corrupt, just a majority. And we have that today, right? Even many of those who profess not to support Trump would happily support another fascist who they think has a better chance of winning. Hence all the hype around Ron DeSantis who's flaming out. They were like, well, he's a nice, he's a nice fascist who doesn't have all the baggage. Yeah, right. Well, you know what? I don't like any fascists, Trump or not. Paul Ryan, that fucking weasel, right, is also one of the worst. He keeps saying... I don't support Trump because he can't win. So it's not because he's a traitor. It's not because he's a seditionist. It's not because he's a sociopathic lying monster. So if he could win, you would support him? Think of how fucking mealy mouth that is. And also, by the way, Ryan, you lost. You and Mitt Romney lost. So where's the winning? Right? Your side didn't win. He actually won in 2016. I've admitted that. It wasn't stolen in 2016. So Paul Ryan, he can't win. Well, actually, Ryan, you lost and and Trump did win. So your rationale to oppose Trump is just some weak-ass, pitiful shit. And I'm so tired of listening to this type of nonsense, both from kind of the establishment Republicans like Ryan to the pundit class about, well, are they going to take an exit ramp this time? How can they support such a criminal? The answers are obvious, and they've been clear for years. The conservative movement is entirely predictable. And in that way, it's entirely boring. You know, And it would be completely boring if it wasn't so dangerous. And I wouldn't pay attention to it at all if it wasn't so dangerous, right? The GOP is long gone as a legitimate political party, and it won't be back for a long time. Right now, it's a fascist, theocratic, authoritarian cult. Full stop. My main reaction to conservatives these days as they continue to come up with the most pathetic, lamest excuses for Trump's treasonous criminality is just shut the fuck up, right? Unless you are strongly condemning Trump and standing up for the rule of law, just shut the fuck up, right? Fuck you a million times over, you fucking traitors. You're pitiful, you're empty, and we're tired of your bullshit. If any Democrat, any, had done one one-hundredth what Trump has done, these conservatives, these Republicans would be calling for the death penalty. And they'd be going on talk show after talk show saying the rule of law cannot abide by letting these crimes go unpunished. And they would have been right. But since it's their side that are the criminals, right, and their people are so fucking deranged, they just make excuses. So again, just shut the fuck up and get out of the way while Jack Smith locks all you motherfuckers up and throws away the key. Right? One of my top goals in this podcast, which I started right when Trump was inaugurated in 2017, is to avoid bullshit right? and the feigned surprises of all the unprecedented things that happen and just deal with reality and facts. 
although it's an intellectual exercise on some level, some wonder how could a once proud or and at least minimally principled Republican Party become so quickly captured by someone as horrible as Trump? And how could they put their party over country so blatantly? So here are a few of the main reasons. All of them are true. I'm just not sure about the weighting, which ones, you know, the most. But these are all, you know, the main reasons. First and foremost, most Republicans and most in the conservative movement are weak cowards, frauds, and grifters. And so they'll just follow whatever the flavor of the month is. And Trump has certainly been the flavor of the month for many months. You know, about 100 months going on. Most Republicans are theocrats and white supremacists who hate the direction America is going. And they will choose authoritarianism over democracy now that the majority is not on their side. And you see this with after the abortion, right? They kept saying, let's let the people decide. It shouldn't be decided by the, the courts. Let's bring it back to the states. So what is what are Republicans doing now? They're trying to block state ballot initiatives because they know they're going to lose. Because abortion rights are popular, even in red states, right? And we just saw, you know, uh, that anti-abortion ballot initiative in Ohio, a very red state, go down in flames, right? Next up, the GOP base is a cult, and they will primary anyone who doesn't support Trump. Next up, the right wing can't admit mistakes. Their whole world would unravel. If they admitted it was a bad thing to support Trump. So they just double down. And then finally, the big money supports Trump and other fascists because they would sell their own children for a tax cut and for cuts to regulations. Whether it's the Koch brothers or the Murdochs or the Mercer family or this Harlan Crow fucking douchebag who's bankrolled Clarence Thomas. The big money that supports the GOP doesn't fucking care about anything except their own greed and their theocracy and their tax cuts. They just don't fucking care, right? So look, there is no hope for the GOP anytime in the foreseeable future. This is as plain as day. They are done as a legitimate political party, I'd say, for at least a generation. And uh, right after the break, I'll come back with the antidote. Okay, so for the antidote today here, again, no half steps. If you're a patriot who wants America to remain a democracy, you're a Biden supporter. If you're a Trump supporter, you're a traitor and a seditionist. And if you sit out or vote for Cornell West or write in somebody else, you're a coward and a fool. So my antidote for today is to read the article by Tom Nichols in The Atlantic that is linked in the show notes entitled, This is the Case. Nichols is a conservative and former Republican, 
and he mirrors a lot of what I say about how no one can sit on the sidelines anymore. We can't pretend Trump and MAGA are normal because they're not. This is an existential moment for the country. Yes, 2016 was the most important election of our lifetimes to date because the Supreme Court was in the balance and could, because Trump was so clearly unfit for office. And yes, 2020 was the most important election in our lifetime to date because Trump was a menace and sociopath whose administration had done monstrous thing over after monstrous thing. And yes, the 2024 election will be the most important election of our lifetimes to date because if Trump wins, our democracy will be over and our society will come undone and we will deserve it. If we as a collective, as a society, can't re-elect Biden against perhaps the worst human being in the country, then we deserve to lose it all. And we will. If Trump wins in 2024, this country will unravel. It will be the end of American democracy. Maybe not forever, but for the foreseeable future. And again, we will deserve it. Right? If we can get Biden reelected, Trump goes to prison, maybe, just maybe, normal can start to return. I think the Republican Party is going to be morally bankrupt for a long time, but at least there will be a chance for it to rebuild into a legitimate center-right party, which, by the way, is what I want. Because, again, I'm not happy with almost half the country being traitors and seditionists and sociopathic lunatics. That doesn't make me happy. But the way to begin to end that part of our history is to defeat it soundly and to send the perpetrators to jail. The people who try to overthrow the government to jail. And then we can return to something resembling normal. So on that cheery note, everybody, I hope you're enjoying this podcast. If you are, please share it with family, friends, and colleagues. Subscribe, rate it. Um, You can listen again on Apple, iTunes, Spotify, Amazon Music. Stitcher is going out of business. So uh, if you're listening on Stitcher, go on a a different podcast app and... uh, and, 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 you know, subscribe there. So with that, everybody, enjoy the uh, end of the summer and stay safe. Be well.